0: what is up bosses before we kick off this episode i want to tell you about our sponsor indeed they are the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three post screen and interview all on indeed if you're hiring you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com ilab. That's indeed.com I L A B offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply. All right, let's kick off this episode of invest like a boss. Welcome to the
1: Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network
0: of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard earned cash.
1: Hey, bosses. This is Johnny FD, millionaire in Ukraine. And you're at Derek Sparks, a future
0: millionaire. As well in Venice. Thank you. Hoping to be. I love how. Yeah. Uh, once you officially hit a million, Johnny, you're you're all about talking about it now. <laughs> just kidding. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Actually, it was weird because I actually hit it like
1: a f- couple months ago. I just didn't talk about it. And yeah, even now up it feels so For awkward. our bosses out there. I know. Yeah. But you know, at first I really thought that like as soon as I hit it, it'd be like I would put it everywhere. I put it in my like twitter handle my instagram you know my blog like (laughs) you know i do all the stuff and then because i I, because it was like growing up it was hard to be a millionaire but i feel like it's like this last year 2020 2021 it feels like the stupider the investments you made
0: the more likely you would be like some crypto millionaire today it is crazy i just met someone the other day that was driving a brand new porsche 911 turbo probably 200 plus thousand dollar car and his license plate was hodl the uh, or hodl whatever it is the h-o-d-l oh, right. and he said uh bitcoin bought the whole thing so
1: <laughs> well obviously he didn't he didn't h- hold
0: or yeah hold he, he cashed bitcoin, some obviously <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh and actually i know this guy that i actually met in thailand but he, he's a uh, british he had a bunch of 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 you know different cryptocurrencies probably mostly bitcoin and he decided i don't know what it was he just decided you know what i'm up and i've always wanted some supercars so i'm gonna go on just spend this cash so he went and bought a lamborghini he bought a ferrari he bought a porsche um, Taycan, and he basically just like decided I, I don't know what percentage it is i don't know how much he has left over but in his idea his mind he's like you know what you know you kind of violo like you know yeah. things <laughs> might go up things might go down but
0: I, at least I get to drive these cars for the next couple of years. Hey, you. I mean, I'm all about that too. You got to celebrate some of the wins. You know, you can't just save it all forever until you die. Yeah, but you know, it. I secretly, like I don't even know secretly, like I openly kind of
1: <clears throat> despise the people who have just kind of gotten lucky because as I've said for years now, you know, if you go back to the old episodes, if you put your money, like 100% of your money in Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency, there is a chance you're going to be a millionaire And you're gonna make a ton of money but there's also a chance that things are gonna go the opposite way and it's gonna go down or you're gonna have nothing but either way you took a huge gamble you know you you took a huge risk and buying something speculative and gambling and what like really frustrates me and annoys me is that the people who took that big gamble they won and it's not even fomo it's more just like it throws out you know decades of Proper investing knowledge. Like, you're not supposed to take, you put 100% of your money in speculative, you know, not even investments, but just speculative things, right? Whether it's collectible or gold or an, an, even an individual stock. Like, people are also millionaires today because they, they put all their money in Tesla. And as much as I like Tesla, it was a speculative investment, like putting all your money in any one stock. But people are paying, you know, getting pay, paid well
0: for it today. It's crazy. Yeah. The scary part about it is though, is you only hear about the wins and I can guarantee there's 10 times more of the amount of people that have actually done, picked that one stock or picked that whatever cryptocurrency or crazy piece of art that they wanted to buy and they lost it all. But you don't ever hear from those people. Yeah,
1: because it's embarrassing. Number one. Uh, second, they don't want to talk about it. And third, you know, people kind of like there's no sympathy. There's no empathy at all. People like laugh at these people and say, oh, ha, ha," like you should have held like me and now you'd be driving, you know, this nice new car. And people don't realize it's like it's it, it is a zero sum game where it's there's winners and losers. And just because someone happened to be to come out on top and win doesn't mean they're smart or doesn't mean that they're better
0: off or like or they're better. It's like they literally just got lucky. Totally, and um, I think that's the opposite of our guests that we're having on today. Uh, why don't you tell us about uh, Frank Song and how you know him, uh, Johnny?
1: Yeah. So what I li- really like about Frank is he doesn't invest in you know these crazy speculative uh, investments or businesses. He invests in what he calls like unsexy businesses. And I've asked him you know offline like what that actually means, and he told me his favorite TV show isn't you know um you know those startup shows or shark tank you know or like the silicon valley shows his favorite tv shows is blue collar millionaire
0: have you seen that no um i love cnbc too and i i I looked it up that it's on cnbc i definitely need to add it to my streaming list now uh what's it all about
1: Yeah, it's basically about, you know, people who have become millionaires doing very unsexy jobs, uh, or usually owning very unsexy businesses. And it could be anything from construction, you know, to like, um, you know, I don't know, like, Removing dirt or like, you know, lugging away garbage or just stuff that like nobody brags about. Nobody's excited to talk about. You know, these people aren't wearing suits. You know, they're wearing work clothes. They're, they're very down to earth people, but they are millionaires with, you know, million dollar businesses. And this what is what Frank likes to invest in. He doesn't go after the unicorns, the you know the 200x gainers. He likes businesses that he can go in and say like, oh, this has good foundation, it has good customers. Let me inject some money and some marketing knowledge. You know, let's bring it online. Let's uh, let's do the things I can do to, to improve it with you know his knowledge, his network, uh, his team, and also his capital injection, and let's grow it from a you know, $500,000 a year, you know, revenue business to, you know, maybe a $5 million
0: a year business. Yeah. That's really interesting. That kind of reminds me of uh, in the recent past, we've done some, you know, episodes on farming and agriculture, and I would have never thought of the crazy amount of money in that business, but there, you know, there's farms that are making millions and millions of dollars that are just are right below the radar that you never even think of. And that makes sense. You know, if someone has a really successful plumbing business or puts carpets in houses or hardwood floors or whatever it may be. Those are the last people you think of that are making, you know, this amount of money because they're not out there uh, showing it off. Yeah. And, and it's funny that like Frank does show it off a little bit now.
1: I mean, he like, he like, <laughs> you know, nice cars. He has a nice place. He eats at nice restaurants, has but the funny dog. thing is, yeah. Well, I think the, the, the dog is more a uh, love, love than anything else, but uh, it's, it's one of those things where I think, He, you know, he didn't spend all that money until now that he has basically so much of it. And he lives in a place where the value is so good that it's not affecting his bottom line, you know, where it's kind of like, why wouldn't you do it if you're out here? Um, I'm sure it also maybe helps with connections. It helps with other things. Let's actually talk about the outro because I am very, very curious uh, about you know kind of his his lifestyle and um his mindset what kind of his his future plans are but i'm I'm, i was happy to have met frank we had lunch here in kiev uh and then actually went to his house to record this episode which you guys can hear right now
0: This week's episode of Invest Like a Boss is sponsored by Indeed. Now, when you're evaluating an investment like the ones we talk about here on the show, you consider several factors. When it comes to evaluating talent for your company, it can feel like there are an endless number of factors. That's why you need Indeed. They are the job site that makes hiring easy and fast like one, two, screen and interview all right on indeed they'll get you a quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes match your job description faster you'll only pay for the candidates that meet your must have qualifications you can also schedule and complete interviews right inside the indeed dashboard they also have tools like instant match that gives you quality candidates on indeed that fit your description immediately plus over 130 skills tests that can help reduce Reduce your hiring time by 27%. If you're hiring, you need... Indeed, and we're gonna get you started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post. When you head over to indeed.com ilab, you'll get a $75 credit just for going to indeed.com slash ilab. One more time, $75 credit, just go to indeed.com ilab. Offer is valid through June 30th, Terms and conditions apply.
2: Frank, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great as usual. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, and thanks for having me over. So I'm actually at Frank's house here in Kiev, Ukraine, kind of in the, in the suburbs. It's almost like you're describing it as like the Fremont of the Bay Area, which is kind of where people actually live. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like uh, with families and stuff. It's it's a great area. It's uh it's uh it's like Fremont, so it's 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 a nice distance away from the city while at the same time, um, you know, I have a big dog. So like it's it's easier to live. Yeah, It's, it's like a huge a, dog. How much does he weigh? Uh probably like eighty pounds. Yeah. And it's like, a big German shepherd, like a proper police dog. Yeah, yeah. The, the the lady that I I got him from from the Bay Area, she sells all of his brothers and sisters and all of her specialization she sells uh these German shepherds to the Union City Police Department, the Fremont Police Department, mm-hmm. the every police department buys from because they go to a training field, too. So he has, like, uh, too much energy, so he needs his own house.
1: Yeah, so you can't be, like, in the city center in a small condo or something because you need to walk it and need some room to play. and. Yeah, for sure. But, like, aside from that, I mean, you're not, you know, an old guy. Like, how old are you?
2: Uh, 33 now, I think, yeah. Yeah,
1: and you're probably the youngest— you know, like everyone else here is a fa- like is a family with you know kids and like, like why are you out here? Why did you choose this kind of this life?
2: Well, first is was really for the dog. It sounds pretty ridiculous, but like it, it was really uh, it, it's it's I, I tried living in the center with him, um, in a big flat, but it just wasn't possible mm. because there's a lot of annoyances. Other dogs are walking around in Kiev. There's no uh, huge law about other dogs being on leashes, so mm. people can run up to him, other dogs and stuff okay. like that. Um, going up and down the elevator is like uh, really difficult because in Ukraine, all people, German Shepherds apparently and these kinds of dogs are known as like uh, very vicious dogs. Like uh, most wealthy families have dogs on their property. Like guard as guard dogs. Exactly, okay. so their reputation here is like, and nobody trains them. Yeah. So that's why their initial view of him is they're extremely afraid. Uh, yeah. It's different than California where it's, it's like, like a one bite law. Right? I guess it's like the, the pit bull of Ukraine, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're afraid of pit bulls too. If it makes oh. you feel, like yeah, they're afraid of all these dogs. <laughs> yeah, um, but they're not trained here. There's no yeah. law, uh, laws regarding leashes, and mm-hmm. so like kids getting mauled and uh, all this stuff is like very, very real danger. And they can't tell the difference, so it's just much more comfortable to be out here. But okay. yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, it makes sense. And actually, it's it's very. Like, I'm glad I came to your house because I've only seen one kind of side of your your lifestyle where. You know, last week you were in Dubai, you were driving a Ferrari around, you're staying in these, like, five-star hotels. It, it looks like you're just, like, jet-setting and living kind of, like, that big city life. But then you also have, like, the suburban life, which actually I think most wealthy people actually do. Like, they, they're not actually just out drinking champagne every
2: night of the week they actually work and have a normal life well yeah you know it's uh your your liver needs to live past you too you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah for me, I was never uh, big into like big city life. Like even in San Francisco, I, I never. I-, I think I only lived one year in San Francisco, when I was like, okay, this is enough. Like I, I don't, uh, I don't really need to party like that much and have like something that close to home. Like I can always take an Uber home or a taxi. Like it was never very critical to live in the city. Like mm-hmm. when I go, like I already do when it, when it comes to like business and investments and meetings, I'm already meeting so many people. I'm already running around so much that for me, it's easiest to just be in peace in like a very quiet area okay. and just like it's kind of a rest area so i like suburbs and you grew up in the bay area born and raised in fremont yeah okay
1: and you find it like a kind of interesting story right like you didn't grow up as like a rich kid wealthy family
2: no no not at all uh you know my uh my dad is a engineer he graduated uh uc santa barbara uh worked as an engineer at a at, at at the time, good tech companies, which was Xerox, we know them as printers. But at the time, those were like the big tech companies. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a interesting, troubled childhood. Um, there was always like a bit of money trouble. My mom has some kind of acute mental illness, and so I was uh, I was uh, left relatively, I guess you'd call it like homeless during my teen years, and so mm-hmm. really had to fend for myself. Like, were your parents around, or like, where, where did they go? Uh, they were around. They just were. Uh, uh, busy with their own problems yeah, If okay. that, it, to put it very lightly right okay. like when you have like financial troubles when you have like uh, uh, relationship troubles when you have uh, you know you combine that with a cocktail of uh alcohol and stress mm-hmm. it kind of like makes not for a good home life and so okay. actually i used to sleep in the in walmart in the bay area on some nights and i uh, would stay at my friend's uh places um and it was it was tough but that that would really drove me to really want to understand investments and business and earning money it was actually this period in my life where i saw my parents struggle that i really wanted to Understand this mathematics behind it. And I think mm. my philosophy behind it is that it's a science mm-hmm. Like everything is if you start to learn so many different topics in life You start to no- notice like commonalities mm. physics mathematics investments art psychology the fundamentals actually are Programming they're very relatively similar and mm-hmm. it, it usually boils down to mostly science with some art to it Okay, so how how old were you at this time? like when you say you slept
1: in a Walmart, like what do you mean? By yeah,
2: that? it was uh, my period from like uh, fourteen years old, like freshman in high school, it just started getting really bad to about uh, seventeen, eighteen years yeah. old, and so I had to self finance my own uh, education in the yeah. UC system.
1: Okay, so when you see okay, when you see Walmart, I'm so curious. I'm trying to picture this. Like, was it yeah. in like the parking lot
2: and the like in the? Was it were they like 24 no, Walmart? It, you just hide in a tent or something? Yeah, or? It, something <laughs> like actually something like that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was a 24 hour Walmart. It's no longer 24 hours, if I understand it correctly. They changed their policies like a long time ago but it was 24 hours it was inside i slept at a bus stop a few times here and there but it's really really uncomfortable and dangerous mm. like you are not really sleeping you have to like keep one eye open so it's not really a restful sleep yeah. um say so in the walmart i would it was late night and it was actually one of the earliest times that I learned the power of, like, relationship building. Okay. And just, like, you know, I got to know the manager, made some small talk, got to know him a little bit. You know, he's bored. It's the middle of the night. And people generally have a good heart. And so, like, if you, like, just build relationships, like, he kind of just, like, turned a blind eye. Because okay. he knows I'm a normal guy. I'm not here to, like, make trouble. I'm uh-huh. not a druggie. I wasn't causing any problems. So he kind of turned a blind eye. Uh, we chit-chatted here and there. And it. I, I'm very grateful for him. Okay. And so was it on a bed then? Or what was it? Um... It was kind of like, so like it depended on like uh, how many people were in the store and like which store, which like other team members that they I guess they call them were were there. Mm -hmm. So some were like, you know, okay to just like turn a blind eye to and some were like much more strict. It's like a big place, right? So sometimes it was like sleeping in the uh, changing room or Mm -hmm. like. I think maybe I did the 10th thing, it was so long ago, but like I don't think I did it for very, very often or very long, uh, obviously I couldn't sleep in the aisle, Like that uh. that's obviously very disruptive. Uh, I remember a few times they even like allowed me to sleep in the back or something, okay. and, Like even one time I slept uh, in his car. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. these are good people, Like okay. uh, yeah, even uh, my teachers when I was at uh, American High School, like uh, one knew my situation and even offered to let me stay at his uh, house, it was my uh, AP Physics teacher, really, mm-hmm. really good guy, I still remember him to this day. For his uh, offer, I didn't take him up on it uh, forever. Various reason at the time, but the fact that he made the offer was like okay, okay. like it, it, it was great. And then, did you say that it was? That's how like you had the
1: first connection to Ukraine. Like was was one of these people Ukrainian or?
2: Well, no, yeah. So <clears throat> during this period when I was about fourteen. When I was like 15, it was around 14, I'm really bad with ages because it was Mm -hmm. such a long time ago. But my first, my freshman year, I went to uh, a private school. I went to a private school my whole life, like just a small little Catholic school um, in the Bay Area. And then I moved to American high school when I was sophomore. Uh, And I became uh, really good friends with my now like uh, best friends that I've known for a very long time. Like Mm -hmm. it's know each other almost more than half our lives I guess um, and uh, they're twin twin guys and uh, we were on the same football team together we took the same AP and honors classes together and we just bonded became friends I became I knew their family uh, really well uh, I, I had more things get when my parents had their trouble I had more Thanksgiving and holiday dinners at their house than I did even mm-hmm. at my own house so I was just always at their house um, and they kind of knew about uh, some of my family troubles uh, we tried to I don't know when you're young you tried not to tell them mm-hmm too much stuff because you're afraid they're going to judge you at the time it seems like silly now that we're like yeah. in the future but at the time you're hyper paranoid hyper worried about like oh my god like what will these people think and so they, they you know I was borrowing my best friend's clothes taking showers at their mm-hmm. house but in general it was like we were, we were best friends anyway so it was just hanging out okay and he's Ukrainian yeah yeah but they're not uh, they're Ukrainian by descent but they moved there when they were five years old okay. so they don't really like uh, okay. know much about what's going on so here the parents much. moved there when they were five or no no the, my, my best friends okay so the parents are still yeah, yeah. and I think they travel back uh, every now and then to see family and stuff but they don't uh, live here but uh, okay yeah. oh, nice. and then so I'm assuming you didn't have like a big nest egg to
1: start You know, investing. Like, how did you actually start making money? What was your kind of your your career progress?
2: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. To say I didn't have a nest egg is like putting it too tactfully, I guess. (laughs) Right? Um, Yeah, I had really I had really nothing. My obviously my 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 family had a lot of personal debt um, from his. time in uh, trying to start a, a tech company and, and that not working out and uh, obviously I didn't have very much cash so I would say the, the first thing I was doing is when I was 17 this is when the real estate boom was happening so one of my friends was like you know you're, you're pretty uh, uh, good you uh, kind of like a representative salesperson, whatever you want to call it. And so they were like, well, why don't you start working in the real estate industry? So when I was 17, I just was like a telemarketing and working and stuff. And then I was picking up pretty good. I, I remember I still have the, the check uh, photo uh, scanned and uh, photographed uh, within two weeks. I made five grand when I was 17 years old. Wow. It's not so impressive because at that time it was like a big boom. It's kind of like crypto right now. It's okay. like everyone's like, it, you pick up the phone, you're like, hey you want to refinance like yeah i mean like i yeah, okay. thanks thanks for calling me i was gonna do it anyways mm-hmm. right okay. so yeah it was nice yes it was uh, it was good I, I try not to take too much credit for things that are like uh market driven mm-hmm. right because i i believe that you should always delineate between what was you and what was market driven mm-hmm. i would say this was like yes of course i i was uh and i did my part in it but uh, obviously the market was like growing extremely mm-hmm. quickly
1: but at the same time you were either you know smart or lucky enough to to, to get into that industry during the right time.
2: Yeah, sure, sure, That that's definitely true. And then when I was 18 years old, I uh, took my, on my 18th birthday, I took the California real estate licensing exam, mm-hmm. got that license, And then when I was 19, I passed the Series 7's license exam to become, I guess, a licensed, a registered broker dealer for uh, securities. When I was also 19, I got my life and disability insurance license. And when I was 22, when I was a senior at UC Davis, I got uh, my real estate broker's license and actually was managing about uh, $10 million purchasing uh, distressed real estate. Because at that time, all the things went to hell. Mm-hmm. And then so now it was to do the upward swing, which is purchasing distress stuff. And okay. that's how I paid for my own university, my own living expenses. And then uh, also- during the time as well, just uh, breaking into investment banking and private equity.
1: And you did this while you were in school.
2: Yeah, I graduated in four years. I took a full course load. So I was going to UC Davis. Uh, it was a crazy life. I mean, I was uh, I was scheduling all my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, mm-hmm. like all day. so. Let's just start with Tuesday. Tuesday morning, I would start classes all the way till evening. Wednesday, I would pick the study. Thursdays, classes till the evening. Then Thursday night, I would drive from Davis all the way to Fremont, because I was running my real estate business in the Bay Area. Uh, work from Thursday night, all of Friday. Saturdays, Sundays are the best days for showing houses, meeting hmm. investors, like all this stuff, right? Then do it again on Monday, and then drive back at UC Davis on Tuesday. I was doing this crazy wow. schedule, yeah. Do you remember how much you were earning during that time? Ooh, it it was variable. It was like you know, at that time, I I can definitely tell you it was like um it was the wild west. Like it's it's it, it's kind of similar to how it is with the coronavirus right now. That's why I think I'm much more calm, not much more. I'm, I was extremely calm during this whole pandemic because I I think living through that when I was like a lot younger, I was 18 to 22 at the time, really showed me that things normalize after a mm-hmm. while. But at that time, it was like nuts. So I I can't really peg it to an exact dollar amount. I remember I just. I was able to pay for it UC Davis, which is expensive, so yeah. that was good enough, and I, I had my living uh, money, but um, I, I can't remember exactly the uh, amount.
1: But th- you make a really good point about living through a, like a you know like a recession or <clears throat> like a bad period financially, because for a lot of investors they end up losing their shirts or their houses, literally, because. They panic and they don't know what's going to happen. They're like, okay, this you know, this is the first kind of big downturn. My stock, you know, my stocks are down forty percent. Let me sell everything because, you know, it, this is the end of the world. And I think the order someone gets, the more times they've been through something like this, the more calm they can be and say, you know what, I'm just going to stay on pace. Uh, the world's not going to end. Like, this is this time is different, but the same,
2: it's kind of the same, it's a cycle. Yeah, you're 100% right. And you know, funny, I would even add that like, even sometimes <clears> when, <throat> the older you get, you still don't even solve this problem, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's really uh, investing and uh, earning money and all this stuff, and, and just in general, winning in life is really about knowing what your strengths are and mm-hmm. doing things that, that go to your strengths and avoiding your weaknesses. So for example, I'm a more fundamental, uh, logical investor, right, because for me, My investment principle is like I I boiled things down to its fundamentals, right? Making profitable investments in concept and in theory is extremely simple. Like I don't need to build you a leverage buyout model for my private equity days. I don't need to give you like a three-statement financial model to tell you how to make great investments. Mm -hmm. You buy something low, you sell it high. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go to Harvard Business School to understand this concept. Now if it's so simple, why is it complicated, mm-hmm. right? The the complicated part is the human part, right? It's when you fall in love with something that you don't realize low is not actually low. Mm. That's the problem. Okay. Like mathematically and, and conceptually, it's very simple. Okay. Yeah, the hard part is 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 again. It's uh you know it's the you know for business owner, it's like I'm in love with this product. I'm mm. in love with this business idea. For investors, like I, it almost becomes some investors they stop becoming investors and it becomes more like a religion yeah right and you have to maintain your your objectivity and once you lose that oh by the way fun fact i was uh i played a lot of poker when i was from like 16 till like i think 23 and i won a, a couple of, like big tournaments, but not like in famous arenas but like with many people i meant right and and it really trains you i think poker as, as cliche as it sounds really trains you and it's the best training tool to be an investor because it's really about like just controlling your emotions, and when you're not controlling your emotions, you get punished. Because mm-hmm. the game of poker is relatively easy, right? It, like, you just make better mathematical decisions than your opponents. You fill in the gaps using uh, some E I E Q, reading them to fill in like to make your statistical model a little bit better in your mind, and you just maintain your objectivity. Like, okay, theoretically it's easy. It's just hard. So,
1: let's break it down to make it a little bit simpler. Then, uh, what like what type of investments do you like? Is it like Real estate, you know, um, businesses, stocks, like w- what like, what did you traditionally invest in and what are you investing in now?
2: Yeah, so I would say the best investments I really focus on is I, I'm a big believer in business type investments, right? Okay. So uh, and I guess, the first of all, I always like to state that, like, my goals shouldn't uh, be pressed upon everyone else because it, it also depends. The, the first question everyone should ask themselves is, like, what kind of – Where are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and what are your goals, Mm. right? So for me, I never wanted to be rich when I was like 65. Like that didn't make any sense for me. So that kind of checked off a lot of like long-term, like diversified, like, 10% per year type of growth, right? But at the same time, I wanted some some sort of safety net. Mm. And so with businesses, that kind of provided me with both. Because here's the thing, everybody touts real estate as this great investment, but when you really do the mathematics, like I worked in real estate, I can build all these financial models, like it's actually a really slow way to gain wealth. Mm. It's just like all these uh, gurus are telling you like you can do it fast, but when you spread out the math, it's hard to do. Mm. So the only real reliable way to build uh, wealth very quickly and with relatively low risk, I'll uh, I'll explain what I mean by that because uh, common times everyone thinks business is risky is uh is 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 really business like you can have high velocity growth and especially in this day and age you don't really need that much capital outlay. Okay,
1: so I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, even like my parents' house in San Francisco, which is now worth you know let's say over a million dollars, they bought it for three hundred thousand. It sounds like a huge gain. And it, it is, but it was also over 20 years. Yeah. They've also paid tons of interest. They yeah. paid tons of property tax. So when they really calculate it, it was probably
2: like, you know, going up anywhere between 4 and 10% a year. And also, this is another problem with how people do the mathematics. People always calculate things on gross, especially like real estate mm-hmm. flipper investors. They say, I just made $80,000 on this flip, but they don't talk about their expenses, mm-hmm. the taxes. So, for example, one thing that a lot of people don't talk about, all these like gains, especially when they say, oh, you can... In, if you invest in this index fund, and I'm not saying it like you shouldn't do this, it just mm-hmm. depends what your strategy is. I'm just saying that the mathematics is not really like true. Oh, you have a million dollars if you put X amount, and you've mm-hmm. seen that, those yeah. like articles, right? That's not really true because you have to take into account inflation, mm-hmm. right? That 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 little extra part of the mathematical step is important. So yes, they gain like that percentage growth over mm-hmm. 20 years, but if you use the rule of 72 to calculate uh, when uh, to do an estimate of like when inflation is going to eat away at your mm-hmm. returns, like it's it's not as uh, it's not as simple as that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense because a million dollars today is a decent amount of money. A million dollars 20 years ago was a lot of money. And 20 years from now, it probably won't even buy you a condo. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, yeah, it definitely makes sense. So business, you know, business definitely has infinite, you know, growth potential, yep. what, what are some of the businesses that you've invested in?
2: Yeah, so my whole investment philosophy is about uh, low risk, high reward. Now, everybody probably says that and touts that. And uh, and in theory, it's great. But of, of course, like anything in life, and like any experienced investor, business person, it's the execution of it, right? So uh, instead of just saying that, I'll explain to you kind of like my main investment thesis that I, I revolve my career around in my own safety net, which is, I really like highly profitable, but unsexy businesses. Okay. What does that mean? What that means is that anything that's not in tech crunch, <laughs> okay. you know, and, and there's a real logical reason why, because, uh, you know, like when I was working in, uh, in private equity, investment banking, I, I worked in tech investment banking. So we're constantly doing IPOs. We're kind of doing follow on offerings. We're doing and acquisitions for all these like cutting edge technology companies. Right. And at the time you don't, you don't, you don't know any better. So you're like, okay, this is the only way you can make money, but it's a bloodbath. And mm. I started realizing like what's easier to earn a dollar against unsophisticated competitors or sophisticated competitors Mm -hmm. like it's the same dollar right Mm -hmm. like it's not like one was worth more than another so uh when you do like high tech type of businesses it really is difficult to earn money because one there's like everyone's like kind of a nutbag. bag they, they they're they're fighting for it because a lot of people in certain fields do it for the prestige mm-hmm. and if you really want to have a bloodbath of a fight yeah add prestige to it add long hours add all these things add the glory of battle mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's the most profitable business and and thing for you in fact I remember reading that a lot of uh, and you've probably seen this in 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 the Silicon Valley a lot when you have like a, a big company with tons of rounds of funding, the founder after it's sold or IPO, they don't walk away with like extreme amounts of money. Mm -hmm. Actually people who have smaller businesses like 10, $20 million, but they maintain like their founder own status, they walk away with like much more of the portion. Anyway, so the point I'm trying to get across is that in unsexy spaces, the competitive dynamic is lower, right? So it's kind of like, do you want to bring a knife to a gunfight? Because then you have to raise tons of capital, do all this crazy stuff. Two, valuations, right? In any kind of investment, if you talk to any experienced investor, they will all tell you that your money is made on the purchase, not on the sale, right? I remember uh, a very famous uh, guy in private equity, I I forgot uh, which founder of a private equity firm, was basically like, don't congratulate me when I buy a company, congratulate me when I sell it, right? so it's it's really all in the purchase, like your initial valuation this this applies to real estate too, or any kind of stock, right like you earn your money through that initial purchase because the higher you pay, the more risk you're taking on, and the higher you need the return to be and so when you're when you're dealing with a very frothy market like uh, in a very sexy space like like AI machine learning like the valuations can get so high where it's kind of like the valuation is not based on anything based on reality except for what somebody else will pay for it yeah. and that's hard for me to guess yeah. I don't know what somebody else will pay for it yeah. but when I invest in something fundamentally at least worst case scenario if something happens to the business we couldn't sell it or we need to wait or the market isn't right you can drive you can uh, take the cash flow out of the bit there's more options the more profitable like uh, less competition type of businesses and I could go on and on and on but I don't want to okay so like too much
1: would example be like for example like YKK makes zippers it's very like unsexual but very profitable, you know. Versus, you know, investing in like some uh, AI company that's very sexy and is promising big things, but doesn't actually make money yet. Like, like what would an example be? Uh,
2: I think a one really good example, and actually one show that really really opened my eyes. There was this show on CNBC. It was called Blue Collar Millionaire. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I love, love that, that show. Yeah. Love the businesses like that. Like, okay. honestly, eight, if you run an HVAC business, is great. Like, I know so many millionaires who did uh, like. Uh, like um, a landscaping business, big ones, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but it's not that hard. It's pretty unsexy. Yeah. But if you have like a really built-out, like uh, operational structure, like or like the the guys who did like the moving business, I think uh, hunks with the uh, hunks with clunks or something. Like uh-huh. some some kind of business where they it was a like college guys and they marketed. It was like a bunch of college guys who would like uh, move your stuff or haul your junk, and they became like a pretty big business. Um, all these different things is like, I, I knew one guy from my real estate days, uh, you know, the, the most, uh, a lot of people who made a lot of money in real estate were like people who sold tiles and like, uh, mm-hmm. what do you call them? The thing on the counter, the like countertops, <laughs> the counter, no, but the, not graphite. It's oh, a, um, granite. Marble and granite? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Marble and granite. Like yeah. they were hustling, they were slinging they made a decent margin yeah. and like the guy was driving a Ferrari. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, so businesses like this is like kind of like my key specialty. I, I don't want to say too much because obviously I'm, I'm in certain markets, so I, I can't say too much or else like it's uh, I don't want anyone to penetrate my investment thesis. Okay. But uh, to give you an example, like, yeah, these are all very, very unsexy businesses that don't attract a lot of attention. Valuations are much more reasonable. The competitive mm-hmm. dynamics are a little bit uh, much more reasonable as well, where mm-hmm. you can like come in and like offer a better service or add some technology to it or have some better marketing angle. And it's like it's a lot easier. Easier. okay uh so i read that you're managing about 20 million dollars with yeah.
1: businesses is that are you like running a fund is that like a like a business, a
2: personal investment, Like, what exactly is that? It's a mixture of uh, a lot of it. I don't, I don't actively want to manage a fund, so it's not like a publicly, like, uh, marketed thing where I go out and I fundraise or mm-hmm. something like, a, like a traditional private equity fund. And it mostly comes down to being like, uh, it's. You know, I think a lot of people see the glamour in owning like a fund or being an mm-hmm. investment manager, but you know, it's a lot of responsibility. Okay. It's like, it's it's a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility. And um, not to sound ungrateful or something, but like, if you're going to take on that amount of stress, uh, my philosophy is if you're gonna do something, you might as well do it big. Like okay. if you're gonna work 80 hours a week, you might as well build a big company because it's gonna take 80 hours to build a smaller company anyways, okay. right? Um, so if you're gonna build a fund like that, you might as well do it in the hundreds of millions, if not like billions of dollars. Like you're gonna do it anyways. I never really wanted that kind of, uh, stress in my life so it's it's mostly my own money and i have some friends in it as well um and we just uh, who share the same investment philosophy and it's something comfortable okay right and can, can you talk about some of the businesses you're invested in yes i can talk about it from a high level so uh one one sector that's uh that meets the criteria of what we're talking about really well is uh is education i'm not talking about coaching or like this online stuff but like traditional education and kind of parlaying that into the child sphere like uh, child education uh child care um that's one really good sphere uh Another I can say is like hey, real estate. Real estate is also a very boring space. Like if you can uh, dominate that in a certain way, they, there's uh, interesting opportunities there in arbitrage, especially overseas. Okay. And you just
1: came back from Dubai, and I'm assuming it was for business. Yeah. Like, can you talk about why you were there? Like.
2: Ah, oh, yeah. It's uh, I had a interesting meeting with uh somebody who's uh I knew from my old Wall Street days, and uh, he's uh. He's a really big time investor uh, he's a he's somebody who lives there and uh, you know a lot of a lot of these guys I will say the the problem there is on earth is that there's 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 strangely too much money floating around all these private equity funds have too much money and this is a this is a problem that all my private equity friends talk about but there's not enough deals and not enough like managers who can chase alpha right and chase returns and so i entertained the meeting we talked about certain things and that that's pretty much what i can say about that but um, yeah. in general what i can say is that right now is probably the best time if you have like some kind of like uh, Ability to make deals happen or have a strong investment thesis and can execute it like Raising capital or having capital is like really not a problem It just really depends on what you want to do with your life. Okay makes sense and
1: are most of these businesses are uh, In the US or outside of the US that, that you're personally invested in
2: both. Okay, both
1: and do you like having kind of a like a 50-50 split? Or like what, what is your kind of philosophy on where to invest?
2: well, you know in general, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in America. I'm like the most, I would say, one of the most American guys you would ever meet. Like, I, for God's sakes, I walked on Wall Street. <laughs> like, you know, I, I pretty much, uh, which is like, uh, Wall Street is like the most American thing you can do next to like the uh, Statue of Liberty, right? Mm-hmm. So I really, really uh, have an affinity for America. But when I look at kind of America as a country, it's, and I look at, uh, you know, um, the dynamics of it and in the investing environment and especially the climate in California specifically. I can't speak for New York, but I'm sure it's like I hear some rumblings about it. Uh, they make it uh, not so simple to do things, yeah. right? Um, America is a really great place for customers. Mm-hmm. They have tons of money. I remember, you know, a lot of European companies, uh, what they don't realize that uh, the target market size, total addressable market in like uh, France or... Uh, the UK, uh, uh, you know, Germany or something, is actually not as large as you can imagine it to be. That's why a lot of uh, European countries and uh, companies when they expand, they want to break into the uh, American market, right? Because it's just like, um, and just to give you a sense, like California's like, what? I, I don't quote me on this, but like, I remember reading, it's like the fifth largest economy in the mm-hmm. world or something, like, just to give you a magnitude of the yeah. scale of money that's available. So it's really great for customers. There's certain businesses that work there, but certain businesses that do not. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll give you an example. Like HVAC businesses, there, like really blue-collar type of businesses, heating do, and AC, just yeah, AC. Uh, they do extremely well over there, but in Ukraine, the margins are very small. Mm. Like, because it's like a, such a common. So each country has their own. Uh, competitive dynamic in the specialization, which controls the supply and demand, which controls the pricing and then the profitability. Mm -hmm. So it depends on which country, you can't just like start a business in like one country and replicate in another. Uh So for example, HVAC businesses here and like just like general like, um, you know, type of like electrical businesses, electricians is not as profitable as you think it is because I was researching it here because mm-hmm. I know how profitable it is in the U.S. and uh, how you can build some pretty big companies. But here it's like, it's not horrible, don't get me wrong, but it's it's definitely, uh, there, there's a lot more supply than there is uh, needed demand.
1: Yeah, I, I saw that first time. I hired both a plumber and an electrician. Yeah. The electrician only charged $15 an hour <laughs> while the plumber charged like $100 an hour yeah. and they're basically both spending one hour yeah. doing a specialized skill. Yeah. So I can see that with businesses as well.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it, it depends uh, which business, which sector, which it is. Like for me, I chase the investment thesis, okay. right? And that's why it looks like my businesses and investments are all over the place. It looks like it's all over the place, but it has one commonality theme in it, which is like – one, it has to follow this thesis I like, right? Because that's my safety net. Investing in companies and building companies that are in unsexy spaces where there's there's demand for this service, there's demand for this product, the current legacy uh, suppliers and, and companies are doing a crappy job at it. And I like that because that means like if they're still buying from it and they're doing a pretty terrible job at it, that means like, you know, they, they really want this stuff mm-hmm. and they just want a better supplier, so I'll make it. Um, and two i'm not afraid and i guess i learned this from my uh investment banking and private equity days I'm, n- I'm not afraid of like unpacking very hairy situations right like so if there's like a messy investment cap table or there's like new laws i need to learn like i'm, I'm just like a nerd like and i think that's a very big commonality of every successful investors that they have a lifelong learning so when i came to ukraine and i wanted to learn about the market like i mean Okay, let's pull up the Ukrainian law, let's learn about it, let's talk to experts, let's learn about the entire process, how does their escrow work, is there an escrow, you know, how does the buying process work, how does the sale process work, what are the legislations that control property rights here, like, I love this kind of stuff, what is the taxation, Mm -hmm. how does it tax here, how does international tax, how does reporting work, you know, so each country that I go into in each market, I'm, I'm, I get bored easily, so it's actually fun to, like, unpack certain things.
1: But that actually is a really good point. And we'll talk about this more on the the Travel Like a Boss podcast where we talk about kind of the lifestyle, why we moved to Ukraine while we're living here. But when I posted that I'm buying a property here in Ukraine, people were freaking out saying, don't you know they're going to war with Russia? Don't you know there's lots of scams here? Don't you know that there's no such thing as, like, title insurance and all this stuff, all these reasons why people are scared to buy uh, interest rates are here super high like mortgage rates are like 14% plus and everyone's like just buy in the US you can get a mortgage for like you know 2% or 3% you could you know everything everything's clear everything's easy but i responded yeah that's why the average house price is half a million dollars in the US while here you can get it for you know a third of that and yeah. a lot of it is because people are scared and there is more risk but also it's just harder to learn yeah. <laughs> it's harder to do
2: Actually, it's very funny that you brought up that point because a lot, uh, hear, hear me out on this, Johnny, you actually just brought up an extremely good point, which is of all the people who made that comment that you just told me, how many of them have actually been to you? How many of them have actually done the work to unpack things? Mm-hmm. So people's preconceived notions is where you make the money. Mm-hmm. That is, you just exactly got to my. That's why I like this area in unpacking things that people won't unpack, right? Like how many people, like you and I, will come to the country, sit here, go start doing meetings with lawyers, realtors, mm-hmm. like like really unpacking the market and doing that work. People are just going off the preconceived. And don't get me wrong, my mom's the same way too. My mom. Thinks that in Kyiv, I'm like putting a rifle behind my back and hunting bears for dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Mom, this is a pretty sophisticated <laughs> country. There's like, and this is a, and this is like a very, very high end restaurants and like everybody's living a very normal life here. But she thinks I'm like hunting for like dinner yeah. every night with like a rifle and like there's bears living in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's her preconceived notion. Yeah. And it's through those preconceived notions, like for example, like you, you bring up Dubai a few times right now, right? Like I know a lot of people who who their, 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 their investment theses are driven buy i don't know like pizzazz so mm. they think dubai oh rich oh lots of money must be good returns mm. that's not true mm. right look at london london has horrible returns like look at san francisco horrible returns right like so if you start you have to think like an investor and not with your this is the point i was talking about emotion and your like uh, your human side right which is like a lot of them are saying this from ignorance mm. right They didn't research it. Like, they're talking about this title insurance, but like, there's other mechanisms around this. Like, not every country has title insurance and the world is still functioning, right? Like, not everyone does it the American way. That's another really important thing. We Mm can talk about this in the other podcast, but traveling is really important because, especially for Americans, they think it has to be done this way in the most sophisticated way. And sometimes it's not even the best way, Mm -hmm. right? Like uh, like, there's some things in Ukraine, I won't mention them, that are just much more efficient in the U.S. Like, mm-hmm. And even in Thailand, I'm sure in other countries you've seen like some government services or mm-hmm. some certain things are like much more faster efficient, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's I just, love it. Yeah.
1: Well, Frank, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to hop on and talk more about the lifestyle of living in places like Ukraine on Travel Like a Boss. I think that's going to be episode... Two sixty eight on Travel Like a Boss podcast we you want to take a listen. But, Frank, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, happy to be here. If people want
1: to reach out and learn more about you, uh, how, how can they do that?
2: Uh, yeah, I have uh, Instagram. You can go, Frank Song. Um, I'm uh, launching a YouTube channel relatively soon uh, where I'll be talking about a lot of these uh, investment advice, business advice, things like that. Um, strategies, how to, how to do things fundamentally, like all these different things can be expanded upon. Um, so you check out my YouTube channel once it launches and, uh, my Instagram, and obviously you can uh, reach out to me at franksong.com. So normal ways. Very cool. And what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Frank Song.
1: Easy. Yeah. And definitely follow it. Uh, look at his stories. Cause when he's not, you know, at home with his big German shepherd, he is doing really cool stuff, uh, kind of all over the world. And it is a... Kind of lifestyle to to envy to see kind of what's possible um, from a kid who went from sleeping in Walmart to to living kind of a baller life out here. Uh, you can follow me as well as Johnny FDK. And uh, once again, Frank, it's been a pleasure, man. Likewise.
0: He went from Walmart to living this crazy life on private jets, going to Dubai, and now he's living in Ukraine. Johnny, how did you find this guy? You know what's funny is I was posting in one of those like expat Facebook groups
1: asking if anyone knows a good real estate agent, and I got the worst possible responses. I mean, people (laughs) that have the time to hang out on Facebook groups or YouTube comments are normally – you know, not the brightest people in the world anyways.
0: I'll I'll agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. Except except our our boss lounge, our boss lounge is awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually like for some reason, like the boss lounge basically is curated and you know, we talk about kind of unsexy investments. You know, we talk about like agriculture and investment. So I think the people that hang out in the boss lounge are pretty sophisticated and smart people. But in general, like especially in the expat groups, like I got some dumb answers, you know, like some crazy (laughs) answers, but Frank was really really helpful. Uh, I actually didn't end up using his guy because his guy is kind of uh, like honestly his lawyer, his prop, like real estate guy. They're all too expensive for me. Like right. they're, I think they're good for someone who's looking for you know like these big deals. But for me, I just wanted someone a little bit a little bit like lower level. But yeah, me and Frank started talking uh, from that point. Met up for lunch. And it was a cool guy. Like and he you know, he wasn't like bragging about anything, uh, but you could just tell like the way he dresses and it was really low key. Like I actually met some other kind of uh, ballers out here and they were wearing like, you know, Gucci, um, like Gucci logo jackets and stuff. And like Frank wasn't like that. Like he had no logos showing, yeah. you know. But I knew like you could just tell when someone's rich. I'm like, I don't know yeah. what it is. It's like their clothes are just nicer. They fit better. They're clean. <laughs> they're like pressed, you know? <laughs> they and then when I saw the bar- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like something about like, like, like true millionaires. Like, I even totally if they're just wearing, like, yeah, even if they're just wearing like, you know, a sweater with no brands on it, you just look like you could just tell they're rich. Exactly. But- when i when i saw his bodyguard i was like what like what is this you know and i was like i got to get to get to this guy more <laughs> and that's what i thought you know what let's have him on the podcast um but i actually but i didn't know him that well yet and i was thinking you know what uh sam Derek, like can you just kind of take a look and vet this guy before we have him on the show i mean we do this with all of our other guests you know with all the companies that we have on and obviously we can't find everything we're not like you know private detectives but we'll vet people we'll vet companies make sure they're <clears throat> that overall they're legit like there's nothing you know weird out there and yeah like he just seems like a very normal guy that all of a sudden like is getting super popular online like Forbes just wrote about him so
0: he's blown up yeah which makes me wonder um so I don't know if if I don't know what you can talk about, but if you got a little bit more insight into the types of businesses he invests in, or even the size of these businesses, because he, I think on purpose, he intentionally uh, spoken a lot, a lot of vagueness, but I don't know if he was, if he opened up a little bit more to you in private.
1: Yeah, he did. I I was super curious because like, I was like, I I have an idea of what what kind of business you're talking about. But like, you know, the the example I gave was like the zipper factory. Right. And I was like, do you own a zipper factory? (laughs) He's like, no, (laughs) I don't. Um, But Like that's when he told me about the blue collar millionaire uh, thing. And I think the the only reason why he doesn't want to like talk about his niches is because they are like, there are niches. He doesn't want them to go get oversaturated. Right. But things like, um, the, the storage units that Sam invests in, that's something that he would consider an unsexy, you know, stuff that like nobody gets
0: excited about, but is a useful cash flowing business that can grow. Totally makes sense. Um, why don't you, can you give me some more insight into why, I think we know a little bit about why Why you chose Kiev. Is there a particular reason other than it being cheap that he chose Kiev? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is Kiev actually isn't
1: cheap. Like <laughs> I spent 10 grand last month here, which cool. isn't, you know, you, isn't, yeah. Yeah, isn't something I would normally spend, but I was eating out at like fancy restaurants. We we're drinking all the time, going to bars. And like the type of restaurants and bars we were going to in LA would have been like a $500 bill. Sure. Here it was probably like a hundred dollar bill or like a seventy dollar bill. And I've literally taken probably hundred twenty Ubers in the last month. Like it just the the standard of living here is equivalent to LA or New York if you were a multimillionaire but you can do it as a low level millionaire like me, or even, you know, someone who just makes, you know, 100K a month, I mean, um, 100K a year and just wants to spend, you know, d- doesn't really care about savings, just want to enjoy life. You can't do that in New York or LA or London or any of these big cities. Sure. So I, I think a big part of it is the value, but second, culturally, I just like it better. Like, I feel like in the US, you know, people always have an opinion, even if they shouldn't. Right. Here people mind their own business,
0: you know, and it's kind of, it's nice. I think we can thank social media for that a little bit, too. But um, so I think he brought up a a good point uh, that um, that everybody when they say, oh, I moved to Ukraine and you're crazy. Why would you go there? There's a war happening. There's, you know, financial collapse, whatever it may be to not go there. And he just said, but have you been here? And the answer nine times out of ten is no, I haven't been there. So why do I care about your opinion?
1: Yeah, and and that's you know that's something that I wish that I I could take into to heart more because I listen to people's you know uh, comments like you know I'm making videos on Johnny FD uh, YouTube on Johnny FD about my life in Kiev buying property all this stuff and I get all these crazy comments and chances are ninety nine point nine percent of them have never even been to Ukraine so they have nothing valuable to add but I listen to the comments like you know they're a an advisor or someone that should be i should respect their opinion but who knows there might be some you know kid in like their parents basement who's never traveled before
0: who's only read stuff online on on NBC or something right i i always feel the you know the best test is to go there yourself you know if you went there and you liked it there's a reason you liked it and you're gonna figure out and you're smart enough to figure out a way to make it work you know no matter what yeah. the situation is so actually
1: one thing i really like about Ukraine is it filters out uh it filters out most people. <laughs> I would say it filters out <laughs> like 99% of people. You know, first, like it is, you know, it does have this reputation of like Eastern Europe, you know, uh previous previous uh USSR tough place. Here, you will get ripped off, you will get scammed, you will get punched in the face if you act like an idiot. And I I think it just keeps out in most people. Here, also, if, like, you know, if you come and you think that you should be like entitled to being special just because you dye your hair uh, green and you you know you wear you know some like you know t-shirt with your cause on it and you try to preach to everyone about you know being vegan or being you know <laughs> f you know xyz nobody cares like nobody will listen to you everyone just ignore you <laughs> and i like that and, and honestly i think it's like a refreshing break from the world uh, i don't know why like I mean, I think for him, he he likes it for other reasons. I think it's a really good business opportunity here. It's very unsaturated compared to the US and London and the rest of the world. But there's a ton of deals and money coming through here. I mean, he went to Dubai to talk to, you know, probably some sheik or something about like investment deals. Like there's
0: a lot of money in this area. Yeah. And you're, and you're close by to a lot of money too. So I, I feel like you're kind of centrally located, you know, you're halfway to Asia and you're halfway to Western Europe or wherever you're going that, you know, it, it'd be a good, uh, middle ground, I guess for that.
1: Yeah. Like definitely like 100%. Um, yeah. And you know, it's funny is I was wondering, like, I think you asked me this too, like, wh- why is he blowing up all of
0: a sudden? Like, did you have any thoughts? I just, when you sent me him, I was like, and then I looked a little deeper, you know, there's a lot of articles about him and people are, are writing and talking about him and he, it's a cool story, you know, it's it's really good, you know, come up, you know, from his uh, kind of mostly suburban childhood, but it sounds like his family just wasn't there, you know, they had, they had, they had a house and he wasn't homeless, but he wasn't supported and, you know, he was just kind of the invisible child almost, so he just kind of had to learn to, to come up on his own. And now he's like, really, really come up. And I just w- didn't know if you got into it with him, kind of what his plans are next. Because, you know, he's, he's achieved this whatever level status. And then now people are really talking about him. So I don't know if his future changes or if he just continues on the same path, if he had any insight on that. Yeah, you know, and I actually think that everyone, once they hit like a certain level of success, they want something off. They either
1: get bored and they just want, either, either they want to earn more money to get to that next level, or if they have enough or they don't really need to earn more, they want something else. They want, you know, recognition, they want fame, or they want to share their story. And, you know, that's another reason why I had you guys uh, try to vet Frank and just kind of look at his background, because I was like, you know, I don't see, you know, he seems like a great guy, but like, why would he even waste his time (laughs) like talking to, you know, um, not, not, I mean, obviously he would talk to Forbes, but, you know, invest like a boss, I would like to think, you know, we're pretty big now too, but like it, he seems like he really wants to share a story and put it out there. And I honestly think like he just, he, you know, had this crazy life and he's like, you know what, I have, I have so much money now. I don't really need uh, more of it. I have these deals that are happening anyways. I want to put my story out there. And one kind of a funny kind of antidote with that was, I think it was either during the, like during the podcast, I asked him like, if somebody wants to invest, how how can they reach out to you? And then he kind of like brushed it off. You know, saying like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm not really taking, you know, investors now. And then I asked him offline. I was like, hey, so like, if, if somebody wanted to give you money, how can they do it? You know, f- join your fund. And I kind of just assumed the $20 million um, you know, business was a fund. And he was kind of like, you know what, uh, you know, I'm not really taking, like, I don't actually like taking people's money. I don't want to deal with people. He's like, <laughs> I don't want to brag like he's like i don't want to brag so i let people
0: think it's a fund but it's actually just my money nice (laughs) yeah i kind of got that vibe from him though too you you did ask him a little bit about that and he just kept brushing it off where it was like "Mm, yeah i don't i don't want to go through all that and uh which kind of made me think that if it's not all his money it's it's his really close friends or people that he may trusts, and it's a very select group
1: yeah and like, cause at first I was like, oh, maybe like he's, just, he's going to start a public fund. This makes sense. You know, get some publicity um, and, you know, start a fund, like, you know, fund or peer shoot or something, get a bunch of investors. And then no, like it, it wasn't like that at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think he, I think he wants to be in the public guy, but he doesn't want to deal with the public. So, um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, either way, I'm, I'm super glad that we got to talk. We got to, we got to hang out uh, super cool guy. And I am so happy to be in Ukraine because I literally like literally I meet people like him, not all the time, but these like I would never have access or I would never randomly bump into someone like this living in San Francisco or L.A. or New York or London because they're usually so busy with their lives that like we're going to meetings that they just don't have time to just be like casually hang out. But yeah, come over for two hour, you know, podcast. And then I actually had him on Travel Like a Boss as well. This during basically the the same day. Like we, we hung out we recorded uh, iLab first. Then we went to go grab some, pick up some lunch in his Bentley. (laughs) Then we came back and (laughs) recorded Travel Like a Boss. I think it was episode 268. And that was an hour and a half long. And that there, we talked about travel more. We talked about why Ukraine more lifestyle things like that so if anyone wants to check it out there but yeah like i don't think like most you know multi-millionaire like business owners have this much time just to hang out if they're from an
0: expensive city and this is what's nice about being here yeah that's a good point and it shows that he's doing it right and kind of more about uh now enjoying the lifestyle because he's a young guy so was he like 33 or something and um i mean when i try to get these guests on you know i'm booking the guests on ilab and I have some guests that are like my unicorns that I have 50 plus emails and phone calls to get these people on, and a lot of times we can eventually, but most of the time I'm dealing with their assistant or their assistant's assistant, and, or their publicist, and these people are busy. You know, there's a reason they're so successful is because they're so busy. But a lot of these people in America, like you said, or any of these other major uh, countries and cities, they're they're too busy <laughs> to enjoy this. So I think it's really cool that he he definitely has figured out the, uh, the work-life balance. Yeah, I, I
1: absolutely agree. And if you guys want to check out his uh, kind of life balance, you can follow him on Instagram. It's Frank Song. I'm at JohnnyFDK. Derek, are you on Instagram? Yeah, at Derek Radio. Oh, you know, I, I need to follow you. I don't think okay. I have yet. So guys, call <laughs> your phones. I the name, but <laughs> too lazy to you do know, that. You know, this this is kind of radio. This is the new radio. I agree. Podcasting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he he has a pretty cool, pretty cool lifestyle. Um, I gotta follow him my, too it's at Frank Song, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think he's gonna be you know up to some big things, uh, especially after this for Forbes, Forbes feature. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. You can probably just search Forbes uh, Frank Song. Yeah, and, and um, I, I think it's inspiring. I, it kind of reminds me of some of the other episodes you know where we interviewed guys like. I guess the landlord, but like, you know, the more kind of like the non-crazy, the crazy ones. (laughs) But, you know, it's always nice
0: to see how someone came up and made their millions to invest. Yeah, and definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. And he'd be an awesome get now that you guys are friends, Johnny, to our upcoming mastermind this Sunday.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to be on this week, uh, but <laughs> I can definitely uh, ask him to come on in the future. But Sam, me, uh, Derek, and a bunch of the bosses are going to be masterminding in the Patreon group. Uh, and we're basically every quarter or every couple of months, we get together. And it's not recorded, you know, unfortunately. But the reason why we don't record it is so everybody can feel uh, confident and just to be able to share like their net worth and what they're investing in exact dollar amounts openly without it being, being public. So it's a group Zoom call, but just for Patreons who are in the $10 a month and up tier. And every time we've had it, I think we've had two or three now, like people really like getting together with like-minded people who listen to Invest Like a Boss, who invest in this kind of rational way where not, they're not putting 100% of their money in speculative investments. You know, a lot, some of them are putting some of their money in. Like, I mean, we, we talk about it. You know, we do talk about what we speculate in because most of us we will take 10%, 10% of our money or so and speculate and, you know, try to grow it. And so far, there's been a lot of wins in 2020 and 2021, but we also talk about how we're going to hedge for losses. It's a very good group. So if you guys want to join that private mastermind, it's going to be this Sunday, uh, April 25th. It'll be, I believe, 7 p.m. Ukraine time. What time will it be for you in L.A.
0: or the West Coast? I believe it is 11 a.m. Let me confirm that on the West Coast. Um, But- this is our third one. So I hope we get to see some repeat people in there because I know a lot of people were talking about buying an Airbnb property and I'd be very interested in checking that out. And I'm sorry, on the time, it's actually uh, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you're on the East Coast in the US, it is at 12 noon and uh, Western London, a GMT time. Or, I'm sorry, Western Europe, a GMT time, 4 p.m. So I think you said. Yeah, and that kind of works for everybody because in New York it'll be like noon uh, here in Eastern
1: Eastern um, Europe it'll be 7 p.m. So we can have kind of a bunch of people on. We we normally do these every couple of months. So if you miss this one, you know we're sorry. Try not to try not to miss the next one because I guarantee there's a lot of value to be had. It's usually just pretty small groups. We do uh, groups. So in total, there's usually you know anywhere between 15 to 30 people. We try to keep it pretty small. And then we do breakout sessions. So we break out into groups of like seven to 10 people. That way everybody has time to talk. Then we change groups. Everything's kind of shuffled. And we do normally two or three uh, of these breakout sessions. And then we come back to wrap it up. So really, really good way to plan out your financial future for the next quarter or the next couple of months. Uh, Go to investlikeaboss.com, click on Patreon and sign up for any $10 a month tier. If you are a $5 a month tier right now, you can just go to Patreon and, and upgrade and you'll have access.
0: Yep, and once again, it's April 25th. So if you listen to us later, still a good idea to sign up for Patreon because we are gonna do these very regular. And the second you sign up for Patreon, you get access to all our previous content as well. So it's a pretty sweet deal. Let me go to the reviews quick. We did uh, get a couple new ones. Uh, Five star reviews are very helpful for the show. Help us grow and help us get cool guests like Frank Song, on the show. Cause you know, these guys are looking us up too and making sure to vet us as much as we're vetting them. Uh, so five star review, this one's super simple. It's just great podcast. Awesome. And that's from S grand one on Apple Podcasts. So it's, it's kind of clunky to do reviews now, but if you search invest like a boss, go all the way to the bottom, give us five stars, leave a review. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Simple as that.
1: Great, I love that. Thanks so much, Derek, for coming on. Thanks for, to Frank song for coming on and we see all of you next week. Bye guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Best Mega like Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at bestmegasboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If
0: you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.